0: Tonight I want to talk about meditation from the perspective of love. Uh, There has been an awful lot of um, expressed grief today, and uh, enormous uh, upswelling, as there usually is in the middle of a retreat, by the way. Uh, First few days you get into it and then (laughs) it all comes up. Um, But uh, it's very important to understand that um, we have a basis on which to operate, which uh, is affection. It comes out of affection. The first step that we take on this path has to be a step into affection, not away from it. It's not as if we're waiting for love to arrive, but utilizing love in every single step that we take. On this path because there is no other way for the heart to open except through our allowance and uh, an appreciation for things and when we uh, as I mentioned uh, in my first night's talk about the room of the mind when I shined a light on the room that light I described as awareness or attention steadiness of mind, but it's also the ability to hold something, to uh, render it uh, open, and uh, so that we can uh, honor it and allow it completely into our lives when we do that. And that holding is itself the definition of love. Our willingness to hold something, to allow it into our minds without the usual Uh, pushing and pulling that we do with things do occur is love. It's not that we have to wait for love to arrive, it's just that we don't recognize it as that. And we so, we get so um, caught in thinking of love in terms of how we have experienced it in our lives, that we miss the relevance of just being able to focus on something. For when you focus on something and allow it to uncover whatever it is, to express itself in whatever shape or form it is, then what it does is it opens itself and you open yourself to it. What other expression is there besides calling that love? When we look at something, we are, our heart is open and is trying to understand it. Understanding is the merging of two things. So that I ingest what you're about, or what this thing is about. That ingestion, not digestion, but that, and not in indigestion, <laughs> but that ingestion, that consumption, is love. Whenever we're willing to sit still with ourselves and see, it, see ourselves for what it is, we are offering ourselves the love of our attention. Now, most of the problems that were engendered to us Came through us when we were young in which we felt deprived of that love. There was something that occurred probably in childhood that somehow initiated a sense in ourselves that we quite likely are not lovable. And many of the problems or reasons that we keep part of ourselves closeted and tucked away is we think that those pieces of ourselves aren't lovable either. So, what way can we bring those pieces out? How can we uncover those pieces of ourselves and allow them to flourish as an adult? It is to give them that silent observation and understanding that they so desperately needed when they were young but never received, but now we can give it to them years later through our attention and caring. So when we see the multiple problems that arise from our past. The lack of forgiveness, which is a lack of love. The lack of appreciation. Those small children that are still running around in our psyche. What they are asking for, what they are pleading for, is our attention and understanding. What they want from us is for us to give them the quality of attention that they never received. And that what then the quality of attention that we can give them. We have the ability. We have the inner psychic ability to establish that focus, that steadiness, that understanding, and heal ourselves to those small children within. That's what we're doing here in terms of the healing process—quite often, we're bringing everything under the lamp of our love, our steadiness of gaze, our understanding—and therefore, everything that. How else can we heal? I mean, it's it's becomes so obvious at some point that it's the only way to actually heal. mean we have tried as I pointed out on that first talk we have tried to take the parts of our mind and do something with them tuck them away reject them take them to another part point of the area of the room cart them away try to throw them out the door nothing has been successful nothing has been successful because what they're calling for is our understanding, our love. And we keep trying to do something to them. That's what we have to bring to the entire inward inward room. That's what we have to bring. That's what we're called forth to bring. Now, when you see, when we see and understand something, there is clarity and total integration of purpose. I know what that thing is about. And I can then move from that thing, not with reactivity. For instance, if it's my anger, and my anger is boiling over and I feel it hot, there is a quality of perception, of understanding, that also says I will not act violently from that anger. It is the no of love, the quality of love that just won't move towards a destructive purpose, towards a hurt or pain in someone else. A quality of love that only seeks to heal. When you are fatigued and you can't give any more in your job and you think, oh, well, there's somebody out there who needs me more. And you go ahead and work that way. You are going against your love, not with it. That is the mind's relationship, the mind's understanding, the mind's love, not the heart's. When you are so tired that you stop and you say, "I have to rest, I can offer no more," that is the no of the heart's love. The no, the, the mind tries to bleed and romanticize the event and says how important you are to the whole circumstances in which we work. It's the mother syndrome that can't stop giving. But that's not the heart's love. The heart's love says no because the preciousness of its own being is as important as the being of any other person on the planet. And I take care of this. And when we are caught in a relationship where we find ourselves again and again assuming the guilt and the blame of that relationship, being pressed and pushed beyond the limits of what we can do or what we can sustain in either a mental or physically abusive relationship, or a relationship of manipulation in which we know we are being blamed beyond proportional Proportionality. there's a point that love says no I will not move in that direction this is it takes itself into stock it's into consideration and says this is it I'm not doing this anymore and many of you in interviews have expressed because of your quietude and because of what is coming up in terms of your insight have seen that limit in yourself. And I say to you, go and write down what you need to do because you will not have that same clarity when that situation occurs and you're outside of retreat. And unless you rehearse it now, you will lose that clarity and you'll fall into the same patterns that you've lived with now for however many years you've been alive. Right now, the know of love is strong in you. See it, and act from it in the future. That know of love was best exemplified in a story by Mother Teresa. She was in Beirut, Lebanon, during the Lebanese conflict, and they were Christians and the Muslims were shelling each other in Beirut. And she heard about an orphanage that was in the middle of Beirut that had disabled children. And she said, in the middle of that fighting, she says, I have to go in and get those children. And the priest that was with her said, uh, well, Mother, you know, they're are shelling the city now. We can't get in. And uh, we just can't do it. And she says, okay, I'll pray to God. And tomorrow we'll go in. I'll pray to God that there's a ceasefire and tomorrow we'll go in." And The priest said, um, don't you want to give God a little time? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, uh, God doesn't work with time. She goes in and prays, and miraculously, there's a ceasefire the next day. She goes in, takes the kids out from the orphanage, leaves the city. And the shelling begins again. That's the power of the know of love. I'm going in. That's Christ saying, you know, at least you had faith. You could move mountains. It's not the rational way the life works for us. It's not checker or chess logistics. I move this piece and then this piece will move and I can It's a whole other dimension, the no of love. But the reason we are have met here this weekend, this week, is because of that no. Because your lights weren't working in some way. And there came a big no in the way it was moving. And you said, I, have, there's, I need a different way. Something's not working. Use this time not to go off on some progressive path somewhere in spiritual development. Use it to understand what it is that you need out of your life to make it work. Use it to uncover the yes of love. You felt the no. Now we have to heal to that. People feel like they're working, they come to the retreat tired, fatigued, burned out, and really upside-down shape, and feel like they should work very diligently over here somewhere instead of on the problem at hand. What's in front of our eyes is what we work on, and we just keep working on that. And it just opens and opens and opens and opens to us in more revealing ways and deeper into more emptiness. We start thinking of it almost as therapy, and it just moves us very deep like anything will when you give it that kind of sincerity and effort, moves us beyond therapy into the heart of what love is itself, the emptiness of form of love. To work with that know of love, you know, love. I mean, love is just one of the most. I, I just I find it to be a very difficult word for me to even say because it has it carries such uh, emotional baggage with it. People sing about it and play guitars and fight wars over it and curse each other and manipulate and it's a single most destructive emotion when used in terms of one's personal manipulation there can be and what happens is that there is a usually a general genuine caring about something but then the person of love ratchets it down so that it is tied to the to the stake of power or prestige or influence and therefore we're no longer interested in love but what in love what what but with what love can do for us how to manipulate it to work bring other people under that sphere since we care about the issue we'll bring our love and we'll manipulate it so that we'll have followers Or we'll have people who will pay money, great sums of money. Like these televangelists. Somewhere in there you get a feeling at one point they actually cared about what they were saying. And they may still care. But they're so now off-center in terms of their moralism and their grandstanding. that they have warped what really was love into persuasion and manipulation, colored by our desires. You know, I, uh, as a manager of a hospice program, uh, I worked with a labor union all the staff was in a labor union, so um, it was very interesting here was a hospice program that and its heart was a very precious uh, loving service and here was a labor union who by its very nature had to make a contention or conflict between the management and the staff breaking the service apart and so they would come into a room, and you can picture the room as a long, narrow table in which management sat on one side and labor sat on each other on the other side. And they'd... So one meeting, I said, being the director, I said, I'm, I'm just not going to sit on this side. going to sit over there with them. So I got up and went around and sat down. Well, you would have thought I had just committed the worst crime, what are you doing over here? I thought we were on the same team. Get over on the other side. See, that's how fractured it becomes. Love was never like that. Love heals, brings things together, reinstates division. Always heals. It's always a movement towards healing, not division. That's how you know it's there it can't be felt it's not romantic love see what we do is we get fall in love with somebody and what we think happens is this person is why i love they're the reason i can love is this person so as long as i keep this person into my sphere of influence or possessiveness i will have access to my love so but as soon as that person goes away or dies or leaves or there's a divorce then i have this terrible sense of grief and loss because i've lost contact with my love which is ridiculous your love is still there always has been always originated with you was not determined by the presence or absence of anything And in this book I write about that, but there are often people who are dying who have settled back enough and brought forth a different perspective on the world where they start seeing the universal quality of love, appreciating everyone and everything, in a non-possessive way. But when we try to possess it when we ratchet it down when we connect it with an object or a person or an idea or a principle all hell breaks loose because we try to own it and that was never ever the movement of love we're interested here in the transforming quality of love just to come under its influence to allow ourselves to be held by it. And all we try to do all day long is wiggle out of it. Distracting ourselves, doing anything but falling under the lamp of our attention. Anything but that. Partially because we don't feel we're worthy of it, partially because it makes the sense of self. less significant. Me, in this powerful thing, I can't stand up to it. And I'd rather keep my own positionality than follow or feel the warmth of this glow. And all, uh, all this wrangling really is, when can I get out of watching or giving myself love? When can I stop offering myself love? Four more days in the retreat, three more days in the retreat, two more days in the retreat, and now I can stop loving myself. And what we do in this meditation is to grow more into that formlessness. More into, because it's not an emotion. It's not like, oh, I love myself. It's not like that. It's connectedness. People wonder where it is and they feel vulnerable and sensitive and things impact them and they feel affected by life and they're wondering where love is. That is love. We've just defined it. We've just described it. A sensitive heart, a heart that feels the impact of life. You could feel a mosquito crawling across your heart or a fly on your hand. That's it. And we feel that we have to protect ourselves from that. The state of health care in this country is another thing. Well, see, what happens is because we can't objectify our love, we can't contain it, we can't bottle it up and sell it. We don't trust it. We don't trust it as something that is really the cause behind the cure. And so in healthcare now, what's happening is that you have efficiencies in healthcare. So they make sure the nurse gives the pill on time, because we believe in the form of the pill as being the prescription for cure. But they're cutting back on the length of time that the nurse spends with the patient, because you can't quantify the affection, the curing of just being together if you remember any time you were in the hospital as I do what stands out for you are a couple of nurses who took time and sat by your bed that's what stands out I used to wait I remember I was a young boy really 12 years old I had my appendix out I used to wait for one nurse just because she was so caring and I remember uh, it was her day off and she didn't come in and just being sick about that and it wasn't a romantic thing it was just feeling her caring I have uh, two friends two nurses uh, uh, Nancy and Evelyn Nancy is a very efficient nurse she gets the pill on time she does her charting everything is packaged neat organized and clean and the hall is scrubbed and everything is there Evelyn is just the opposite. She doesn't chart on time, she doesn't give the pills on time, there's a little bit of mess on her desk, but she has a wonderful heart, and everybody realizes it comes in contact. And so Evelyn was telling me how she admired Nancy for her efficiency and organization. And I said, Evelyn, if I'm in the hospital, I want you, I do not want Nancy. I don't care if the pill is given to me at 2 or 1020. I do care about how it's given. See, it's like that story last night I was telling about the woman who offered tea. We don't trust the medium on which we walk. We're walking on air, people. We're walking on love. When you connect with this practice and you start shining your awareness on things, you're beginning to access love in a non-formula formula way. In a way that you cannot say, here it is, there it is. See how much I've got? Look everybody, I've got six instead of four and now I have eight. And You can't do it that way. But we're using it. We're walking on it. And for us to question that, or to fall back into some kind of people need me i've got to give to them that's crap take care of ourselves and then we go from there love demands that there's a have a very nice story of uh, my uh, first hospice di- um, social service director who was my boss when I first came to this hospice in Houston and she's a wonderful social worker my mentor really in hospice care and she uh, told told me the following story of a, of a patient she had who was uh, had quite a bit of life to live when she first met him and So over the course of a number of months, actually, she worked with him in a variety of ways, and they became very close and very caring. And she worked, you know, she did stress reduction, she did guided imagery, she did meditation, she did family counseling, she did funeral arrangements, she just did a whole series of techniques. And she said she used everything, every tool and technique that she knew. Finally, he got very close to dying towards the end of his life, and my friend wanted to know what tools he found to be the best tools, thinking that he would say, oh, it was your guided imagery, I really like that, mm-hmm. just, to, just to justify some of the time and effort that she had expended. And he said, it was your caring. I knew you cared. That's what mattered to me. it was your caring. See? We get caught in the forms of the world, the forms of the caring, not the caring itself. We dismiss the caring because we can't see it. It's like we dismiss our love when our our love's object isn't there. We think when somebody dies that our love is gone. Think about the person. The love is still there. You still feel the love for that in connection with that person. The love hasn't diminished one bit. The form, the relationship has certainly changed. You can't dialogue and communicate the way you did, which is a sadness in itself. But the love for that person has not diminished. It's just that the form isn't around to constantly remind us of that love. Forgiveness is the same thing, really, but that's another talk, to feel the touch of the wind, to feel the warmth of the sun, the air as it breathes through us, and we're feeling that. We feel almost like the moon in the last few nights, if you've seen the moon. The heart awakens to that. Heart expands to that. Where are we growing? We're growing into that. That is what we are becoming. And you'll never know it's your sidekick. You'll never know that you're becoming it. Because it's an integral part of who we are. We can't objectify it. We can just resonate with it and trust it, trust in the non-forms of the world. But often the memory and pain of having been hurt so often in our love closes us down to that source, blocks us off, and many of you have been hurt very deeply and we just shut off we just say well no more problem is that you close down like that you've shut the light off it's too painful to to look so we just turn the light off pack it away the fear of being hurt i trusted before i can't trust anymore i got hurt We weren't strong enough to handle the pain of the manipulation that came back at us when we did trust. But what we are growing here, we are growing in the ability to handle that pain. We are growing in our ability to hold hurt, so that it doesn't turn the light off. We see that it isn't us, it's them, it's their problem. And we don't accept that we don't take on that hurt and therefore we don't shut the light off we just don't mess around with that person anymore and we keep right on going and we don't back ourselves into a closet we have to learn and trust to come out of that closet some of us are so untrusting that we don't have access anymore to our love, to our affection, because there's no trust, there's no basis of faith, there's no giving forth to move out of our hearts again. And that's why our heart feels so encrusted. But we have to do that. We have to come out of it. We have to trust again. And you may be hurt, but that should not keep you from trusting again. You just keep right on doing it. It can't take us backward, it has to take us forward. We learn from it, not to trust that. I'm not having anything to do with that man again, or that person, I'm going to go ahead. And then there is the sense of self-absorption that many of us get into because of the hurt that we're in. We get so focused inwardly that we don't have time to even be able to listen to someone else, to even be able to to hear anyone else's problems because we are so focused on our own. I'd like to read a passage from my book that deals with a nine-year-old girl who overcame that. I learned the lesson of affection from Anna, a nine-year-old girl who was dying from cystic fibrosis. I was the hospice social worker. Her mother had recently sought a separation from her father, and her father was in a great deal of pain over both this and Anna's illness. We were all gathered at Anna's bed during a breathing crisis in which the child was craning her neck to force as much air into her lungs as possible. After exerting a great deal of uncomfortable effort, Anna looked up and waved us all out of the room. Being the social worker, I tried to prepare the family for the fact that Anna was probably ready to die and wanted to be left alone. What she was actually doing behind the closed doors was struggling out of bed to reach the table. There at the table she made a big I love you poster for her father. Anna called us back into the room and gave the poster to him. She died about a week later. Her father had the poster framed. This little girl was able to free herself from her own fear and reach out to another in pain. There is a maturity there far beyond her chronological age. Sometimes the youngest among us can teach us the greatest lessons. How to be in the midst of our pain and yet reach out and hold others. It's the person who's dying that says, How are you today? Are you okay? (coughs) So how do we reach that love? How do we come to it? Our love cannot stand, cannot tolerate a blocked heart. All the activity that we do is because of our love, although we do not realize it. All of this hard work, this willingness to feel the pain, all of this, the retreating, is because love is driving us in the only way it can, through a blocked heart. It's like you have this infinite energy in a pipe that's one millimeter in diameter. And it's just coming, trying to push, squeeze anything through that thing. And of course what we have to do is expand the pipe, allowing that movement to flow, to move out. To ask from time to time, where is their love right now? What will stop and freeze us is this continual desire that we have, or need that we have, to freeze everything in terms of our thinking. Thoughts back us away from life, back us away from that heart, and narrow the diameter of that pipe. But moving, allowing things to flow and move, not holding on to anything, letting all these memories and shame and guilt, let it just pass through us. Let it just go. Let it go. In the letting go itself, the pipe expands. I was once um, going in my about twenty years ago. Or so I was with a, another woman who now teaches meditation, actually, and we were going to a retreat in England, and we had traveled on a plane, you know. And we were, it was our time clocks were all screwed up, and we had gotten on a train in London and gone another four or five hours or ten hours or something to a way down south. And I was tired. I just wanted to get to the retreat house and sleep. And this woman who I was with, she said, oh, look at these beautiful flowers all along the path. on walking up to the retreat. She said, look at this beautiful flower. I know what this is. And look at these birds. And she was just like totally affectionate and... And I said, get up, come on, we're going up. Come on, I don't have time. to. Yeah, the flower's Get up, (laughs) Go! (laughs) Go! That's what happens when we're fatigued. That's what happens when we're self-concerned, self-absorbed. Anything but the beauty of the universe is seen. Have no time for the beauty of the universe. (laughs) Have no time for that to ask ourselves, where is their love? Where is their love in this minute, moment? Not expecting some emotional rushing, but just where is it? Where is the ability to hold and to just allow something to be? Where is their love right now? In the thick of our pain, our stress, where is that love? I hope that question resonates with you, because it can take you far. There's a wonderful story, which I will end with, about a woman who had a near-death experience, and she came to our hospice program and told us about this near-death experience. She said she was a young woman in Seattle. Uh, shopping uh, for some clothes or something. She stepped out of one of the shops and she had an aneurysm. And she just poof, fell over, stopped breathing and just fell over outside this door. And she said she left her body and had uh, rather mystical spiritual uh, insights. And she was out for a long time and she thought, well, she'd just die and that would be that. But she turned back and she looked at her body. And she saw that there was a passerby who was bent over her body, giving her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And she said what brought her finally back into her body was not the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but was his compassion for her situation. That is what brought her back to life. We're talking big here. Love is not a small thing. It is essentially the thing, the ingredient that God is here that makes us work and strive and push and work and learn and all the other things that we're, and endure. All we have to do is settle with it. That's the only requirement we have here, is to settle back and allow it to spring forth. What is at present at hand, what we are going through, if we just surrender it to the love that is there, without manipulation, distortion, or just being with will handle all we need to do. Could we sit for a minute or two?